Hello, everybody. Welcome. Sean Hathaway here. This is the Breakaway Podcast. It is Friday, uh, February 25th. Crazy stuff happening in the world today. A couple takeaways. One is that any problem that I have, or most people listening to this podcast, just probably isn't as relevant as you think it might be, or as significant as you think it might be, you know, compared to what's going on in other parts of the world. And then secondly, I think that the stock market, I'm trying to think of an analogy, it's a lot like a casino. The difference being that you are the house in the casino, but you're going to have one of those players that comes in like a whale and just keeps winning and winning and winning and you're wondering what the heck's going on. That's kind of what's been happening in the stock market lately, meaning the stock market's been going down. The whale is winning. But in the very long term, the house always wins. And when you're in the stock market, you're the house. And that is the way it is. Okay. Um, welcome to Breakaway. This podcast about all things finance. The opinion, opinions expressed by me on this podcast are solely my own opinions, or those of my guests. They don't reflect the opinions of Hathaway Financial. That's an investment advisory firm. This show is for information on entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions or advice. If you need that kind of stuff, go talk to an advisor. All right. Done. So I want to talk about, first, I need to get something off of my chest, and I think it's very important. In my last podcast, and maybe even the one before that, well, this is this is in the context and the backdrop of Russia invading Ukraine. And in my last podcast in particular, and possibly in, in um, a podcast before that, I may have been, I may have made light of the situation. I think I did make light of the situation. And, and that was probably part of me trying to be entertaining uh, as well as informative in this podcast. And I, I don't think, at least at the time, again, I don't follow this stuff. I'm not a, 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 a Eastern European analyst by any means. and it, But I don't think that I fully appreciated the possibility of Russia invading Ukraine. And now, uh, as of Friday, it's been two or three days, basically, of, of fighting. And people are dying. And so it's a very, very serious situation. So I just want to apologize for uh, not giving enough weight and, and seriousness to that issue. Um, I do think it's a very serious issue. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit today. I'm going to talk about it in the context of the markets, though. I really am not informed enough to give, to give my opinions uh, around who's right or who's wrong. I certainly don't think that there should be uh, war and, and people dying, uh, but I'll just leave it at that. So the other thing I will, I, I think I mentioned the Ukraine a lot, and I appreciate the listeners that I have. I, I got some feedback that it's not the Ukraine, it is just Ukraine. There's some history behind that, but I won't go into that. So that's it. So anyway, I'm going to talk about my vacation here real quick. I'm going to talk about stocks. I'm going to talk about markets. I'm going to talk about Tesla. You know, I can't not talk about them. Tesla, Ford, EVs, and some recommendations. So I just got back from Vail, 
again, <laughs> I feel like in the con in the in the whole scheme of things, there's this war going on. Civilians are picking up arms to defend their country, and here I'm talking about getting back from from Vale, skiing with my family. Um, but you know that said, we all live our own reality. So it was a nice place. It was a ski in, ski out. Basically, we were about a half a block, maybe a three minute walk to the main lift there in Lion's Head Village. I'd highly recommend Vale. It's one of the most beautiful, magnificent mountains I've ever skied. Probably take you three days. I mean, you can spend a week just exploring every run, but you can get a you can get a pretty good feel of the mountain in solid two days. We skied Vale and Beaver Creek. Great fun with the kids. Um, of course, I always kind of get a little cabin fever with them and have my blow ups as a father. And um, but overall, I think it's a uh, really good experience, and I highly highly recommend vacations with the kids. All right, so. When I was in Vail, so, so then, so then, what happens? And so then, I think it was Wednesday night that I'm I'm laying in bed around ten thirty, getting ready to fall asleep, and then all of a sudden, Twitter starts blowing. I'm already stressed out about the markets. I mean, and look, we can go into the markets. They basically just you know real quick, they closed down twelve percent on Wednesday. Like markets were down twelve percent. A lot of the higher flying stocks. Uh, that I happen to be invested in because I'm quite risk tolerant, though I'm, I'm rethinking that strategy. Uh, a lot of the stocks I'm invested in are down like 50%. Netflix, you know, Tesla's down 40 or so. Um, and then I have smaller investments and in a lot of like what I would call bets, <laughs> casino bets uh, that I'll talk about later. But I actually own Square, or which is now called Block, and Etsy. And, and they're, they're both, they were down like 60%. So I, I was, I was laying there pretty darn stressed out on Wednesday night. And then it starts, they start, I start seeing on Twitter. <laughs> I should not be looking at Twitter. Uh, it's kind of what I use for like news though. And I don't, by the way, just to clarify, I don't just read Twitter people's tweets to get the news. A lot of people link to interesting articles and news sources. And, and so that's kind of what I mean. So, so people will link to a Wall Street Journal article or a Barron's article, a New York Times article. And so I, I, I do get quite informed there. And so, of course, they that's where I learned that Russia just invaded the Ukraine. And it was like literally war. So then I didn't fall asleep till like 1.30 that night. I was so stressed out. And I, I had in my head that the markets were going to tank um, by, I don't know, 20, another 20% or so. And that just got, kind of goes to show you how much I don't know. And there are things that I do know. But I don't think a lot of people knew this. And it ended up being that on Thursday, the markets actually ended up up. And then today's Friday and they're up again. And so we actually went into what's called correction territory. The definition of a correction is when the markets, and I say the markets, I'm talking about the, the broad US stock market, is down 10%. Okay, so that's a correction. And so, uh, yeah, we're in cor correction territory. I thought it was going to get worse. Luckily, it didn't. It, the markets actually ended up up. And now, as of Friday, um, last I looked, I think we we're you know, 9% off the high. So we're actually moved out of correction territory. Now, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year? I've been telling all of my clients, and, and again, not investment advice here, but this is an extreme uncertainty of a situation that we're in. And um, you know, I, I think if you've got money to invest, I wouldn't be putting it all in one chunk. I'd be kind of doing it over time. Okay, maybe over the next six to 12 months. So anyway, so I, I had couldn't fall asleep that night. Um, it's so difficult for the market. By the way, when I'm on vacation, I try not to read the news that much. Like I try not to, you know, you, you want to disconnect, right? Like that's kind of the point of a vacation. Um, I, I think it's healthy. 
and 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 again the only kind of new like I wasn't opening the journal or or the Times or anything like that, but I was like I said reading Twitter. Shame on me. All right, so we're in correction territory. Let's just say we're in correction territory, even the market's fully recovered or not fully, but they're in the nine percent off. Let's say. Um, just so, and I I was just trying to get my data correct here, so I was just kind of googling this, but this is from CNBC. It's probably accurate, but just letting you know. But the so so first off, context: the definition of a correction is markets down ten percent or more. And then we also have what's called a bear market. You'll hear people talk about a bear market. And bear markets when the market is down 20% or more. Okay. So since 1946, and I'm not sure why they're using that date. Maybe it's because it's since World War II type of thing. But the, and also the 30s were just, it's just almost very hard to, to, to look at that data. It's so anom an such an anomaly, some of that data. I mean, that was obviously the Great Recession. And World War II, so maybe that's why they went from 1946. Point being, there's been a correction 29 times. So every two and a half years, the market is going to is going to go down by over 10%. For some reason, it feels, at least to me, like this has been particularly painful. And I think, as I've talked about in previous podcasts, and and I think it feels more painful because a lot of these kind of speculative. Uh, stocks and and definitely high tech stocks, and when I say speculative, it could be like biotech or or low to no profitability yet type of stocks, or down like I said, well over fifty percent. But then kind of your stable stocks, your Dow Jones thirty. I was I was using like Procter and Gamble and Home Depot as like examples. You know they're 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 holding steady. So point is, this is normal. This is totally normal. What's happening right now? Um, in terms of like stock market volatility, not what's going on in Eastern Europe. And then, and then what was the other part I was going to read here? Oh, and then about nine times, sorry, there's been a bear market nine times or approximately every eight and a half years. So meaning about every eight and a half years on average since, you know, for the last 80 years, the market goes down 20% or more. So I still think the market could could go down more. Um, the the risk here is now just kind of kind of breezing through some some headlines today. Literally just like ten minutes ago, now they're talking about Putin or or just Russia kind of uh, discussing or, or coming to the table um, with U Ukraine and, and and maybe maybe putting an end to this nonsense. That'd be really helpful, but. The way that this could continue, if this war continues and then NATO gets involved and then other countries get involved and then there's more sanctions and then there's trade sanctions, this, the, this is like the total bear scenario. Um, Russia doesn't stand down, NATO gets involved, there's more sanctions, then there's uh, trade trading stops, there's uh, Russia provides a lot of uh, natural gas to Europe and oil, including to the United States. So you know, maybe that stops, prices go sky high, more supply chain issues. China gets uh, very bullish on their ambition over Taiwan, which I guarantee you they're thinking about. In fact, I'm going to read, let me see if I can find it here. I'm going to read a, a quote from China. Okay, so this was put out by China's foreign ministry on Wednesday. It says, and I quote, Taiwan is not Ukraine. Taiwan has always been an inalienable part of China. This is an indisputable legal and historical fact. 
uh, unquote. Okay, so my, my take on that is China's, China's like taking like this super extreme position on Taiwan, like saying, you know, Russia considers, you know, Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union and Russia, you know, they're, they're saying that Taiwan is even more linked and integrated and, and part of China. Point being here, I was talking about what could cause markets to continue to, to be highly volatile is if, if this Ukraine-Russia situation isn't diffused quickly and then if China decides to move now on Taiwan. I don't think they will, but, um, or, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know, so I'm not going to go there, but that, that's the risk in my mind. Okay, a couple uh, stocks, stocks. Remember, stocks are companies. <laughs> the underlying performance of a stock actually is the company. Okay, so a couple companies that did catch my eye that came out this week uh, with earnings. I think it was yesterday, actually, because their stocks popped today were, were Square. Their, their new name is Block. You know, like Facebook is Meta. Square is now Block. And Etsy. Etsy is this website you can go to and buy kind of like this artsy, artsy, crafty stuff from the owners. It's kind of like an eBay but you can get all kinds of like neat stuff there. Like when I was looking for a Halloween outfit, you could find almost anything on there uh, that you could think of. That was a really bad description of what they do, but I'm going to move on. If you don't know Etsy, go there and look them up. Anyway, I bought Block and Etsy probably a year, six months ago in a whole effort to diversify. I like both those companies. They're both profitable and both... I kind of have a set of definitions for companies that I buy. Again, I'm not super speculative, like, but I, if I have a fundamental belief, like that, first, I don't buy a company unless I'm gonna, unless I plan to hold them for five plus years, and then I wouldn't sell them unless I think their business model has fundamentally changed or, or something in the macro environment or market has changed that would negatively affect their their growth potential. So generally, what I'm looking at is. Is this company unique and differentiated? Are they growing? I mean, that's I look at numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I mean, is there is their revenue growing double digits? Is are they and then are they profitable? Believe it or not, I generally don't buy stocks that aren't stocks companies stock that aren't highly profitable. Block, um, which you'll know is the Cash App, and then Square. You see, like when you buy stuff from small vendors, they might have that Square thing plugged in their phone or their iPad. And then they just acquired Afterpay. Anyway, Square Block is 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 well was pretty profitable. I mean, they booked 166 million of net income for 2021. I won't go into too many numbers. Just trust me, they're profitable. They're they're kind of running break even, but the point is they can turn turn the knobs and be pretty profitable. Etsy, same thing. So I wish I would have bought these companies uh, yesterday, Thursday, because both companies or I'll read each one. Block is 67% off its high. 67% off of its high. Etsy is 61% off of its high, okay? And its high was sometime in 2021, last year. So so Block jumped 26% today. Etsy jumped up 16% today. Long story short, they both said, hey, we're growing growing rapidly. Block grew 57, or no, Block grew like 50% year over year. Etsy grew 16% year over year, but they actually make quite a bit of money. Like their revenue was like 160 million, or excuse me, their net income was 160 million on 700 million in revenue. I'm getting into too many numbers. You're listening to me like, oh, what's he talking about? Key takeaways, Block and Etsy got completely, are great examples of companies that got completely beaten up and beaten, da- beaten down in this in this correction that we've been that we've been seeing. 
but they're not part of the 10% correction. They're part of the 60 to 70% correction. Anyhow, so they're both up, you know, from 16 and 26% today. So that's great. Wish I would have bought them yesterday. What I should do is, and, and what I would recommend other people do if they have stocks like this, not just these, these are just two examples, but there are other stocks that have been beaten up that still have really good business plans. If you really still believe in them, this is the time to buy. And right now, I don't just have a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines. I never do. So what I do is I look at my portfolio and I say, you have to make really hard decisions because it sucks selling stock and plus you might have a capital gain too. But if you're in your IRA account, you can um, trade stocks without any tax consequence. So what I look at is to say, well, which companies now do I think are going to grow faster? Because one, I don't own any companies I don't like fundamentally. You know, one, two companies I've been thinking about, for example, is Netflix and, and, and Tesla, for example. Those are two that I talk about a lot. And I'm like, well, which one do I think is going to grow faster? I actually think right now Tesla is going to grow faster than Netflix. So what I might do is sell Netflix and reallocate that to Tesla. You do have to be careful of the tax consequences there because it, it generates a, a taxable event which is a topic of another podcast and you should go talk to your financial advisor about it. All right, let's talk about Tesla. Just because they're fun. God, they're always, they're always in the news. Elon Musk's always in the news. They're always doing interesting stuff. And their stock has been completely beaten down. I think it was in the high 600s um, briefly uh, yesterday. And then it was, you know, it's all time high was over 1200. So it's, it's literally was at some point almost in half. And I've been, I've been buying, buying into that, that company, buying more stock um, and selling some others in order to enable me to do that. But one of the things that's going on is they're, they're, they're going to open up their, their Austin manufacturing facility soon. Just as a recap for those who don't know, they have manufacturing in Fremont and Shanghai currently. And then they'll be opening up Austin, Texas, and Berlin. Now, Berlin is on hold. It turns out the reason Berlin's on hold is that Apparently, it's really, really bureaucratic, the government uh, systems and, and reviews and regulation. I mean, what government's not, except maybe the state of Texas. But so now the issue is somebody's filed some suit. The local water authority is saying that the, the, the factory there is going to use too much water. Now, set aside the fact that they're employing tens of thousands of people and injecting literally billions of dollars, literally, into the local economy. Um but now they're saying they don't have enough water. So they're on hold. What's gonna happen, look, Elon Musk, I mean, come on, these guys are so smart, they'll end up agreeing to build some giant pipe from some other uh, community or, or county in, in, in Germany, and, and I don't even know what you call these things. Are they states, are they counties? Some other area or location in Germany, you see them building some like giant pipeline and piping in the water. So they'll figure it out. But um, that's kind of a drama for them right now. The other thing is they just announced, which I think helped the stock price today, is that they're going to expand in China. I think that some people are like, well, they can't, you know, build more stuff in China. You know, we've got all sorts of issues with China. Won't even go there. But here, here's the thing. It's really, really easy. They already have the supply chain. They already have the employees. They can just hire some more employees. They already have the know-how. So they're just going to double their, their capacity in China now and then, you know, use that to deliver cars, you know, all throughout Eastern Eastern Asia and, and, and possibly Europe. I think China goes to Europe. Um, so I think it's a great move. Uh, on a more, like, lighter side, fun side of the house, 
Elon Musk used to live in Gene, didn't live, apparently he had a house next to Gene Wilder's house, and it's speculated that he bought Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder's late comedian, really funny guy, that he bought his house to ensure there was no obstruction of the view from his $30 million mansion. Long story short, he said that he will sell the house, but under contract that it can never be demolished. So it ends up that he sold the house to Gene Wilder's nephew. Really cool story. It's in the Wall Street Journal. And he actually lowered the price of the house so that the nephew could get into the house. Uh, so really cool story. Um, okay, and then related to EVs, Ford, I'm just going to read you this article from the Los Angeles Times. And, and this is a, the CEO, Jim Farley, which I mentioned last week is Chris Farley's, the late Chris Farley's cousin. That's Ford CEO. Okay, so, so Jim Farley, the context here, he's at this... Uh, some global auto technology conference this week. It was on Wednesday. They're interviewing him. And I'm just going to read this so I don't misquote anything. You can interpret as you want. It says, He said that the company could hit Tesla-like profit margins by using common electric motors, electronic components, and other parts across all sizes of vehicles. But to do that, Ford needs radically different human talent compared with what it has now. Farley said, that's what Farley said in a surprisingly candid interview with, with this analyst. He also said, the company has too many people and too much complexity. He's talking about his company, Ford. Too many people and too much complexity, and it doesn't have the expertise to transition to battery electric vehicles. That's the simple answer. There is waste, he said. But, and he goes on, but I can't turn to the ICE, that's internal combustion engine, I can't turn to the ICE organization and say, go be Tesla. They may do it on the auto body. They may do it in the plant operations, but that's not good enough, he said, without giving specifics of what changes time. Blah, blah, blah. He also mentioned that Ford's distribution costs are three dollars to $4,000 higher than Tesla. And that's, I'm assuming that's because of the dealer, the dealer network. And there's just another middleman. Tesla goes straight to the consumer. When Ford builds a car, they send it out to a dealership. Dealership sits it on the lot. And then you go through this a crazy painful process of, of dealing with them to get a car. You know, that's just more kind of reasons to buy, to buy Tesla, I guess. I mean, look at this. You've got the Ford CEO coming out and basically saying it is really, it is going to be really, really tough to compete. All right, I'm going to wrap. I don't have a lot. Like I said, I literally just got back from Vail like a few hours ago. And so, uh, so on the plane, I was on a Southwest flight and uh, they have movies that you can watch for free on Southwest. Thank goodness. Remember, now you can just pull them over your iPhone or your iPad. Remember when you used to like rent the device or whatever, or get a TV, get a seat with a TV in the back, which they still have on international flights. Who knows why? Anyhow, so I, with, with the whole war thing going on, I rented this movie called 12 Strong with Chris Hemsworth. It's about a team uh, a ranger team, army ranger team that goes in Afghanistan and basically leads kind of the first attack in Afghanistan after 9-1-1. And it, I, I don't know that I'd recommend it. It was pretty good. I mean, it was okay. It was a ton of violence, a ton of shooting, a ton of special effects in that regard. But what it made me, the reason I picked it is because of because there's a, kind of this war in Ukraine going on. And, and you just realize what it really drives home is like how lucky we are to live in the United States. We are so sheltered and some of the violence, you know, depicted here is just, it's just cringe. It's just, 
French. I'm not going to go into it because I, I don't want to. But anyway, so I watched that. Made me feel very lucky. Makes any, any of us who haven't been in war are very lucky. And it also made me, and I already, I already have a, an immense gratitude towards anybody who serves in, in the public interests, firefighters, police officers, and any uh, veterans of the military. So, and now even more so. All right, on to other things. Despicable Me. So well, we watched Despicable Me 1 and 2. I watched 2 the one night and then 1 the second night. So in reverse order. order. Those movies are genius. And I can't believe I have never seen Despicable Me. And I laughed so hard watching the, those movies with my kids. I love a good animated movie, Disney or Pixar, because they are geared towards uh, the child, you know, ch children, at per I guess. But... It, they are just as much geared towards adults because they are so funny to watch and there's so many like innuendos and funny scenes. So I highly recommend Despicable Me. I'm going to cut it off at that. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. And let's just cross our fingers that this war in Ukraine, in Ukraine, excuse me, and Russia ends soon, like tomorrow. Thanks all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.